Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. standing by. Hey, Wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We only have one topic today. And because we only have one topic, we're only going to have one segment. And because we only have one segment, I don't think we're going to have an ad break. And because we don't have an ad break, I think this might be short. But that's okay. It's all right. You know what? It's that time of year. A bunch of people aren't even listening anyway, you know, because it's that weird lull between mini camp and training camp. But this is the first time I've had a chance to talk to you since the extension of the McBean regime. That's right. Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean both had their contracts extended through 2027. I do feel like last week's episode is particularly poignant and particularly apt, given the fact that it was about Sean McDermott. And then the next day he gets extended. So I do think that's kind of funny. But I want to talk a little bit about fence sitting today. Anytime you hear the phrase, well, he's, he's on the fence, or he's sitting on the fence, that kind of has a negative connotation to it. Throughout history, we have used that in the popular vernacular to describe indecisiveness. I would like to push back a little bit against that metaphor because there's some things, if you take the metaphor very literally out to its logical conclusion, that don't necessarily mean that it's a bad thing. Being on the fence does leave you best available to respond to any threats from either side because you don't have to climb the fence. It gives you the high ground which anybody who has seen Star Wars will know that's very important. But the high ground naturally gives you perspective. We overrate having strong positive and strong negative takes because that's what gets you attention. I think that that started to show up a lot in the public space after the Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean extensions. If somebody had a concern, then... They were, well, you remember the drought? And if somebody was overjoyed, it was, well, you know, he hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. And it felt like that was the only two 
lines of thought. The only two schools of thinking were wee-hee and But like most things in life, people on both sides have good points. And we're going to bring those up as we talk through this. But the first thing I want to talk about is our verbiage. And you know I'm a stickler for words. I always have been. I'm a nitty-gritty guy. Words are powerful. They have specific meanings. I'm a very literal person. One of the reasons why my wife and I ended up together is because my wife is also a very literal person from a communicative standpoint. If she says angry, she means angry. If she says frustrated, she means frustrated. If she says furious, she means furious. She does not conflate those three words. She says exactly what she means. No more, no less. Often a sign of wisdom. And my wife is extremely wise. But sometimes the world can be kind of funny. Because the week before the extensions, the question of whether or not the current Buffalo Bills regime was on the hot seat, you can't see me, I'm doing air quotes, percolated through the national consciousness. It was a big talking point, sparked in part by the organization's mishandling of the excused absence of star wide receiver Stefan Diggs on the first day of mandatory minicamp, which I criticized them for. Then, right after this starts to become a narrative, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, extended through 2027. Sean McDermott was never on the hot seat. Neither was Brandon Bean. Media or fan dissatisfaction with individual incidents like the Diggs situation or the failure of the team to win a Super Bowl since Josh Allen became elite in 2020, those things don't make a seat hot. The only person who is qualified to make the seat hot at this point is Terry Pagula. And there was never any indication in the slightest that he was dissatisfied with the performances he got out of Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. Quick reminder, organizational structure when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. It does not have the coach reporting to the GM who reports to the owner. That's not the way it works. It's not linear. It's a triangle. The general manager and the head coach both report directly to Terry Pagula. So not only did he extend the contract of one of the key members of the staff, he extended both of them to coincide with each other. Not only is he pleased with what he's seen from McDermott or Bean, he's pleased with what he's seen from McDermott and Bean together as a unit. Neither one of them was ever on the hot seat because the people who were attempting to light the fire under the chair aren't in the same room. They don't get to make the seat hot. They can talk about it all they want. But the only person who's qualified to turn the temperature up on your seat didn't do it. And so it's really important we get the verbs right in the event that we want to move forward and eventually use a hot seat narrative again. McDermott and Bean aren't on it. Your own personal opinion, mine, or that of the media is not relevant. It does not matter to the question, are McDermott and Bean on the hot seat? Doesn't matter. Your opinion doesn't matter. My opinion doesn't matter. Should they be on the hot seat? That's an entirely different question. And one that is completely subjective, 
completely up for debate based on the merits of each of them relative to the person who's opining their personal standard. Could they eventually become on the hot seat? Sure, of course they could. Owners change their minds all the time. People have fallings out. Expectations aren't met. Relationships deteriorate. Standards change. But those are three very different questions. Are they on the hot seat? Should they be on the hot seat? Will they be on the hot seat? Can we please get the verbs right? The fact that you don't like them doesn't matter. Because your opinion doesn't matter as far as whether or not they're on the hot seat. Only the person who has the ability to fire them has their opinion mattered. And you don't have the ability to fire them. So I can criticize Sean McDermott like I did two weeks ago for his handling of Stefan Diggs in that incident in which I said I was Bob Parr's boss from The Incredibles. But it doesn't matter. I don't get to turn the temperature on the seat up. So are they on the hot seat? The answer is objectively no. You do not get to use that verb about them moving forward. They're not. They just they just got an extension. If they were on the hot seat, they wouldn't have gotten this extension. Now, should they be on the hot seat? That's completely different. That's a personal opinion. Will they be on the hot seat? The answer is, I don't know. Could they become on the hot seat? Yes. The answer is always yes to that. It's always a possibility. No one can sit here and say the answer to could they become someone who is on the hot seat is unequivocally no. You can't. Of course they could be. No matter how small of a chance you think that is, it's absolutely within the realm of reasonable possibility. Like, it can happen. But they weren't, and they aren't. So the question as to whether or not they are on the hot seat was dead. Before the new contracts were even signed, And the dead horse continues to be beaten by the pens that were used to sign the contract extensions. They weren't on the hot seat. They aren't on the hot seat. You cannot use that terminology. They are undeniably not on the hot seat. Any discussion we'd like to have moving forward should revolve around whether they should be and whether they will be. The should be argument can utilize all of the above noted accomplishments and failures of the regime what they did, what they didn't do, developing Josh Allen, wasting Josh Allen, whatever it is. The will-be argument can utilize predictions based on historical precedent. But the were and the are arguments, those are dead. You cannot use them. They were on the hot seat. Nope. They are on the hot seat. Nope. They're not. They have been for a while. But... It's time for anyone who's still hanging on to the idea that they're on the hot seat to let go because it's hopium. You're projecting the thing that you want to have happen with the thing that you think will happen. And we do this all the time. We conflate our own opinions and we assign them to the team. Man, they're on the hot seat. They're on the hot seat. No, no, no. You don't like them and want them to be on the hot seat. Those are not the same statements. They're not on the hot seat. They weren't on the hot seat. Should they? Different discussion. Will they? Different discussion. Could they be? Different discussion. But were and are dead. They do not matter. 
So it's important moving forward, we are specific with our verbiage when having discussions about Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean. Now, we're going to ping pong this. We're going to go from one side to the other, to one side to the other, as it relates to the extensions for the McBean regime. By the way, I just, I love saying that, by the way. McBean regime, it's so much fun. I almost want them to get contract extensions just so I can keep using that phrase. Let's talk about this argument. Don't you remember the drought? I think it's a bad argument. I really do. The fact that you had historic ineptitude is not a reason to hang on to a coach if you don't think that coach is good enough. We talked last week about the good enough threshold. I think he's good enough is not the same argument as, well, it could be worse. We could have the drought. Don't you remember the drought? Do you want to go back to the drought? I don't think that's an argument made in good faith. That's a little bit like, yes, I had this horribly abusive girlfriend and my current girlfriend doesn't do those horrible things to me anymore. Therefore, I should marry her. That's not a good reason to do it. Not awful doesn't mean good enough. Those are two different arguments. When you make the, do you want to go back to the drought argument? You are saying, yes, they're not awful. But that's not the same argument as, are they good enough? Now, I've already mentioned this before. I mentioned it last week. I do think they're good enough. I think they're past the threshold of good enough to win a Super Bowl with this regime. But that argument is not the same as they're not terrible. And that's what that sounds like to me. When you say to me, you want to go back to the drought? I hear, look at all these terrible coaches we had. Yes, they're absolutely better than that. But that's not the argument that's going to get you where you want to go. Now let's ping pong. Other side of the coin. The Kansas City Chiefs are currently the favorite to win the Super Bowl next year. It's plus 600 odds. The implied chances as part of that are 14.5%. That means... You could have these same odds, which are the best in the NFL, to win the Super Bowl every year for about seven years before mathematically you could have been, quote, expected to have won one. After seven years, you go, you know, mathematically, we probably should have won one by now. It's a little bit like when you you flip a coin. You flip a coin, you have a 50-50 chance of it coming up heads. Every time. When I flip it the second time after getting tails, my odds are still 50-50. But after three of them, you know, you get to the two, you get to three, you go, I mean, I'm kind of due. That's what that means. From a mathematical standpoint, I'm due for it. Because now I'm falling behind odds from a mathematical standpoint. Because you think over a long stretch of time, over a statistically significant sample size, it will even out to 50-50. But we haven't reached that amount of size yet. But we know we're going to over time because that's what 50-50 means. So we flip the coin twice and it comes up tails both times and we're hoping to get a heads. We go, you know, flip it the third time. You go, I'm kind of due. You could have the best odds in the entire NFL to win the Super Bowl. And you're still... 14.5% chance of implied odds to do it. 
There is no such thing as a good chance to win the Super Bowl. Doesn't exist. Just doesn't exist. At all. You can never have a good chance to win the Super Bowl. At no point. Man, this team's got a good chance. No, they don't. There is no good chance. The best chance is 14 and a half implied percentage points. So the idea that they haven't won one yet, mathematically, really leans into my theory, which is what? Be as good as you can for as long as you can and hope you get lucky? The math backs me up, ladies and gentlemen. The math backs you up to not go all in because even the favorite doesn't have good odds. Now, it should be very important that I note that I need to recognize something. It is a 100% imperfect way of determining the probability of winning a Super Bowl by using betting odds. It's just the best way I've got. It's just the best way I've got. If you have a better chance, if you say, I've got a better way of calculating probability for winning a Super Bowl, I will listen. But it's the best thing I've got so far. And the best team who just won the Super Bowl, 14.5%. Seven years. They could be the favorite at the exact same time for seven years before you think, gosh, we're about due for it. And nobody goes seven years as the betting favorite to win the Super Bowl at that level. Nobody. Now we're going to ping pong it back. Why do they need to do this now? The contracts ran through 2025. Why do they need to extend it to 2027? I agree with you. I don't understand why it happened right now. I have a feeling that it happened right now because of stadium deals. And as you prepare to open a new stadium... You want to show the people who will be investing in your team, corporations, season ticket holders, you want to show them that there will be organizational stability. I suspect that is a factor, but it's pure speculation. So if you want to make the argument to me from a competitive standpoint, why did you do this now? 2023 is a big year. First off, I don't believe in singularly big years. Well, this is the big year. You got to pull it off this year because anything can happen in a year. We could have massive injury luck in a bad way. Something terrible could happen. Could blow up the entire thing. I don't believe in singularly big. Oh, it's a big year if they don't do it this year. Really? You don't even know what's going to happen this year. So I 100% agree with that logic from a competitive standpoint. Why do they need to do it now? I don't know. I think it's a fair argument. I really do. I have a suspicion. But I think it's a fair argument. So people on both sides of this discussion have fair points. Why do they need to do it now? Probably not on-field competitive reasons. It's not like a free agent market where you locked them up ahead of time because the market's going to get crazy. That's probably not a factor. Not like a quarterback or a running back, who you shouldn't resign, by the way, because running backs. But that's not the situation. It's probably for the reason I mentioned before, more so than anything. That makes the most sense. But that's a completely reasonable argument. The, hey, you can't talk about the drought. That's bad faith arguing. I agree with that point. I don't think the we've had it worse before is a good argument in favor of extending them. I don't. 
It should be, are they good enough? Which is a completely different argument. Now, I do think they are, as I mentioned before. But do you want to go back to the drought? I don't think that's a good argument in favor of extending them. But also, the, well, they haven't won a Super Bowl yet. I don't think that's a good argument either. For the reason I already mentioned. I think there's a lot of bad faith discussion happening in this realm when it comes to the pro-extension people and the anti-extension people. And so I wanted to point out some good points and some bad points from that. And we're going to ping pong it. Why? Because I'm on the fence. I'm just sitting here on the fence, looking to my left, seeing all the anti-McDermott people, looking to my right, seeing the pro-McDermott people. I've criticized McDermott this offseason. At the very beginning, I criticized Brandon Bean, said he needed to hit some home runs in the draft. I'm not above any of that. So I'm fine with the extension. I agree that I don't really think from a competitive on-field standpoint it really needed to be done now. But I think Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are also good enough where you can win a Super Bowl with them as your general manager, and head coach. So maybe you think I'm not taking a stance. Maybe you think it's a a wishy-washy podcast. And really, Bruce, I don't know where you were going with this at all. Well, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblers. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today